Hello, and welcome to the Anxiety Rx podcast, a show created by an anxiety specialist and neuroscientist, me, that offers unique, practical, and actionable advice to help you understand what anxiety truly is and exactly what you can do to empower yourself to resolve it. I'm your host, Dr. Russell Kennedy, an MD who suffered with crippling anxiety for 30-plus years, and traditional therapy from psychiatrists and psychologists really didn't help me feel better. And I also didn't like being on psych meds. In 2013, after burning out and leaving medical practice, I came to the conclusion that if I was ever going to heal my anxiety, I would have to do it myself. And that's exactly what I did, drawing from experiences with psychedelics and holistic healing and combining those modalities with my scientific academic background in medicine, neuroscience, and developmental psychology. Here on the Anxiety Arcs podcast, I offer a distinctly non-traditional and non-medical approach to understanding and healing anxiety. So despite the fact I'm trained as a physician, in no way is what I say and suggest to be construed as medical advice because none of the ways I use to resolve anxiety has anything to do with traditional allopathic medicine. From my own healing, I've created a distinctly non-traditional understanding and approach that helps thousands of people from all over the world understand and relieve their chronic anxiety. So if you're ready, let's get into today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Anxiety Rx podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Russell Kennedy, and I have a very special guest today, Dr. Nima Romani. We've been friends, good friends, for about five years now, and he's the guy that I bounce all this stuff off of. So <laughs> if you're wondering, uh, the brilliance behind me, a lot of it is Nima. So so I'm really happy to I'm have you. I'm the wind here. beneath your wings, Russ. You are. It's, you are. it's fine. It's, you're the it's wind. Finally, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's about I don't time know. you have, you admitted that in public. Okay, I've been uh, waiting for the validation. You're the all wind. This time. You're the wind for sure. As you'll see, Nima can talk. Uh, he has the gift of gab for sure. So, so I met Nima about five years ago. He was in the middle of a crisis at that point. We worked through that kind of together. And like I said, he's the guy that I bounce a lot of my ideas off of and, and vice versa. He bounces a lot of stuff off me. And we're going to talk today about uh, a lot about the fawning response, like the, the response of appeasement to someone else because we're afraid of getting our, getting our needs um, uh, not met in a way. So it's like we want to just jump into this and talk about it. Nima's, uh, you know, he, he's a retired chiropractor. He's got amazing ability to integrate information. I've always said this about him. Like he will see something and then he integrates it and can explain it right away, which just amazes me. So <laughs> I'm really happy to have him here because uh, hopefully we won't go on for four hours today, but uh, <laughs> we have had these long conversations in the past. So I think it's just, let's just jump right in. Like, like Good to where, be here, brother. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, give us a little background as to, you know, what you're working on now and what's really exciting you. Well, what's exciting to me is that we're neighbors, finally. That's true. I forgot about that. That's really that, yeah. exciting to me is that we're neighbors. Two and, miles away. Uh, and we just live a few minutes away from one another. And I just want to start by saying a big thank you because everything that I'm teaching now, everything that I have in my life is because of um, the work that you have brought to the world and that you have uh, presented through all of your pain. Um, and I just took everything that you taught me and I've integrated it and now put it in the realm of relationships, really yeah. relationships. Yeah. You talk about anxiety 
uh, and your experience with anxiety uh, because of your challenge. My challenge was trauma bonded relationships, mm. relationships that have that push pull dynamic, uh, codependency, and it's all intimately related to relationship with self, which is what we we're, we always come back to. But what I'm working on right now is first and foremost, as a husband and a father, uh, to really make sure that I maintain that secure attachment and then teach all of like my karma, all of the shit that I've gone, like you, all of the shit right. that I've gone through <clears throat> in the realm of codependent relationships and trauma bonds, uh, my uh, dharma, I've taken that karma and turned it into my dharma, which is my teaching and my sacred duty to help others uh, break free from codependency, trauma bonded relationship and attract love that's secure because of the relationship they have with themselves. So latest in this in, in, integration, latest in this iteration of this conversation has been this like shocking discovery that um, we all talk about f fight, flight and freeze. <clears throat> but how often do we really talk about the most insidious form of trauma response, which is the fawn response mm. and the devastating impacts that it has? And I want to help people break free from fawning so they can have secure relationships. Yeah. I mean, as Cynthia talks about, you know, Cynthia, of course, as my wife, Cynthia talks about, she's a, a somatic trauma therapist. She says, we heal in relationship. And I agree. Like Reem and I just did a, um, a talk in Phoenix a couple of months ago. And I talk more about your relationship with yourself and Nima talks more about your relationship with other people. Now it's all the same really, but it's a nice little combination together because it's, you heal in relationship. It's really hard to heal anxiety on your own. I mean, we always say, you know, give yourself love and all this kind of thing. What's the Peter Levine quote? You know, you can't do it alone or you, we can't do it alone, but no one can do it for us. Right. So it's, it's one of those things that we, relationships are so critical. And the reason why we developed anxiety in the first place is because our relationships weren't that strong. We weren't getting fed typically as children. And then we developed this appeasement, this fawning typically over our parents, because if your parents aren't okay, neither are you. So you learn to subjugate your own needs and give to the parent, but you never mm. really learn how to give to yourself. And that becomes a pattern that just creates a tremendous amount of anxiety in your life. Yeah. It, it becomes an actual identity, Russ. It's yeah. not just a pattern. It's, it's that experience, even before we had the language to describe it, where I have to alter my behavior, my mood, my way of being <clears throat> so that it can so that it doesn't disrupt or it takes care of the other person. So we literally are conditioned to self-abandon so that we can have safety. And, you know, we, we used to call it big T trauma, little T trauma. Yeah. It's all trauma. Trauma is not what's happening uh, to us, but it's what's happening inside of us. So over a period of time, that fawn response of, I got to hold back my truth or put on a smile when inside right. I'm hurting uh, so that I don't disturb other people and manage the perceptions of others, it becomes an identity. And that identity we carry with us into our relationships and it causes a tremendous sense of anxiety because I've learned from you that anxiety is a separation from self. So if I'm in a relationship with you and I'm feeling something, but I don't want to tell you what I'm feeling because 
I'm afraid of what you're going to think of me, or I'm afraid of hurting you, or I'm afraid of burdening you. Yeah, you don't want to I'm, tell me that uh, that I, you don't like heavy metal music in the car. Exactly. We're in a <laughs> classic example. We're driving on a road trip for a golf trip, and yeah. then you put on heavy metal, yeah. and deep inside, I freaking hate it. My body goes into a constriction, <laughs> and I turn to you, and I'm like, mm, great music. Yeah. That's a fun response. Yeah, exactly. Right? And it's so insidious. We make fun of it, but- how many of us have built an identity fawn as a lifestyle? So this is not, this is, this is traumatic. This is trauma. Yeah. It's what's happening inside of us. It's an identity which makes healthy relationships impossible because we're constantly anxious when we're in another relationship, when we're with somebody else, because I can't have me and have you at the same time. So exactly, yeah. it's, it's a, it's a shit show. Yeah. It's really difficult because I think we lose our center as children. You know, we start giving to other people. We become the man of the house or the woman of the house too soon. You know, we grow up too fast. We start, we get very, very good at reading our parents or reading other people. We become empaths and, and people pleasers if we want labels. And that does become our identity because we can kind of manipulate the the other person's perception of perception. us if we give to them so if we give to pa a parent you know like my dad i mean i gave to my dad a lot i gave to my mom a lot mostly with humor like even yeah. today my mom's like i went to see her yesterday she's yeah. 90 right yeah. she's i go in to see her she's like oh it's kind of a rough day today i don't know what's happening and she's been having a rough day for the last 50 freaking years but anyway you know so i go in there and i start making her and i start noticing I start noticing, oh, you have this automatic reflex when she is not feeling well most comedians, to make her laugh. That's where yeah. most comedians get it from, Russ, yeah. right? And it's it's not, a, it's, it's so much a pattern. It's an identity. It's who do I have to be to manage your perceptions? It's so insidious. I call this, it's the most, it's the biggest trauma response, but it's the one least talked about. And my, my work really involves reversing that because if we don't do that, we are, we, we literally walk through the earth, abandoning ourselves, which is right. why we have such an, and <clears throat> excuse me, anxiety epidemic because we, because we built relationships on abandoning ourselves, abandoning ourselves. Yeah, yeah. So then the only solution is I'm just going to forget I, I can't be in a relationship anymore. Right. I'm just, I'm just going to end it. The only solution is to not be in them because relationships are too tough. This reminds me, I want to share <clears throat> working with this gentleman who is in his sixties and he's been divorced twice. <coughs> Sorry. I'm this isn't a... me, is it? No, no, no. It's not you. <laughs> oh shit. I could be talking about you. <laughs> <laughs> this guy, uh, let's this call guy. him, uh, let's call him Ken Russell. Let's call it Kenneth. But no, yeah, exactly. Um, no, but so now he was, in, he was engaged to this wonderful woman. And, uh, then what happens is it was her 60th birthday coming up. And for years she planned on taking this trip to the Camino in Spain and which is like a 180 mile kind it's of a big walk, trek. Yeah. right? It's a big trek, right? But he has a really bad hip that might require surgery, might not. So because he didn't want to upset her and he wanted to please her, he said yes to the trip, right? She, he didn't let his feelings be known. He didn't say, hey, babe, you know, I'm going to have a tough time with this. 
can we do it this way? Can we postpone it till after? Can we do something different? No, he suppressed his truth. He said, yes, sure. And guess what happened? He goes on the trip every single day. He's in pain. And what's what happens? The shadow side of fawning is resentment. You mm. can't fawn and say no to you and yes to somebody else without resenting them, first resenting you and then projecting it onto them. So he builds up this resentment and what do you think happens to his hip every day when he's suppressing that anger? It's going it gets inward. way better. It, it goes way better. It gets it way up. better. Yeah, exactly. Up. The exact opposite. <laughs> it gets worse. So he finishes the trip, comes back, gets surgery, and he turns to her and says, I don't want to marry you. And she's just like, what? Yeah. She had no idea. But the shadow side of fawning, of suppressing yourself, appeasing, 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 you build up resentment. This is the nice, classic nice guy behavior. All right. of a sudden, then you turn around and you freaking lose it on the other person because you can't suppress for long. Ladies will do this. And then in my last relationship, she was a fawner, appeasing, appeasing, appeasing. And then it would come out during that time of the month. And it was like, holy shit, what just happened there? Right. And then we project it on the other person, but we're really angry with ourselves. So this, this unresolved fawn response, when somebody doesn't learn how to become trigger proof, completely dissolves and erodes the fabric of long-term relationships. That's why we, we build up, build up, fawn, 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 and then we, boom, we resent, have a breakdown resent. and we cut them out. Yeah. Resent, resent, anger, anger, blow up. You know, and then just, you know, same person, different haircut, as you like to say, an overview, you know, it's just like we pick the same people over and over again hmm. because our, our identity does get wrapped up in being an empath. I think, you know, I used to like that term. Now I really don't like that term at all yeah. because it's a trauma think, response. Yeah. And I think what happens with, with people is that it becomes a, a way of, of coping with, with par parents that aren't meeting your needs. So you meet their needs in, in, in the hopes that they'll throw you some crumbs of, oh, you know, Rusty's so you know old for his years. He's so mature. He's yeah. so good at looking after everyone else. But, yeah. you know, you lose yourself. And then 100%. that end, you start teaching yourself through operant conditioning. Well, if this is the only crumbs I'm going to get, I'm going to get really, really good at this. So we get yeah. very, very good at reading other people. Yeah. And as we get good at reading other people, we lose our connection with ourselves. Yeah. You develop you develop the identity of self-abandonment. You just highlighted it. You get rewarded. You go, oh my gosh, Russ yeah. is such a good boy. Yeah. So-and-so is such a good girl. You're such a nice guy. You're so helpful. You're so, so you start to develop this identity of hypervigilantly anticipating another person's needs and abandoning yourself. And then you get rewarded for it. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's consistent. It's this reward. And then all of a sudden, it's no wonder why you're in your 30s, your 40s, and you've developed chronic pain, chronic illness, because that resentment is turned inward. And my I'm a chiropractor. This is why I left chiropractic. I said, people with these chronic pain syndromes, chronic fatigue, this is a unresolved trauma response because the body has to break down to help you say, hey, wait, what about me? Stop abandoning yeah. me. So you, you abandon yourself. You, instead of resenting the other person, you resent yourself. And that irritation and that, that causes inflammation over here creates thyroid issues. Over here create stomach and digestive, lower down reproductive issues. And they're all autoimmune body attacking itself, right? And so if we go upstream and we heal the root cause, 
all of that can shift like a domino and you can actually then say yes when you mean yes and say no when you mean no. But yeah, 100%, you develop this identity. Not only that, in certain cultures, it's actually baked into the culture. In Persian culture, we have this thing called tarof. You can even write this down. That's mm. baked in self-abandonment. It's the experience. There's no way to literally translate it except fawning. It's just basically... Tarof uh, does sound a bit like a baked dessert, yeah, to be honest. If, yeah. I, if I come over to your place and you offer yeah. me dessert, yeah. I don't want it. Like if I'll say, oh, sure, I'll have it. My mom would say, don't, that's rude. Yeah. Don't don't say yes. You Can should you say, say no. So it's like, okay, say- I'll abandon myself so that it's polite. So that gets baked. Tarof yeah. is baked into my yeah. culture. So we have cultures and families and identities that are based on martyring and abandoning ourselves. It's no wonder we're going to get chronic pain, chronic illness, relationship ruptures, problems in relationships, codependency. So that's why I left chiropractic is to actually help reverse that and teach the root cause of that. So what do we do? Like, how do we, first, first of all, I would imagine you've got to see it. Otherwise you're just going to mm. be it unconsciously. So that's first the first of all, step. Yeah. How, how do you Most see people it? Like, don't even do you, know. Yeah. How do you show people how to see that they are <clears throat> people? A lot of people know they're people pleasers. Yeah. I think a lot of people know, mm-hmm. but the fawning response can be a little more subtle. You know, it can so be so subtle. automatic. Oh you know, God. Like we know, we know when someone says, Hey, can you come over and help me move? It's like, Oh God, I don't want to do this. Yeah. But, but you yeah. go over and do it anyway. Right. But there's other yes. stuff, you know, about, Hey, what movie do you want to see? I was like this a lot when I was younger. It's like, you know, what movie do you want to see? Well, what, whatever movie you want to see, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. Oh, what, I love what do you, that kind of, oh, I love dinner? heavy metal music, yeah. Russ. Yeah, Turn exactly. it up. You, Turn it up, dude. Enter Sandman, wow. baby. Put on your yeah, Metallica for, sure. for our yeah. three hour road for trip. Sure. I love it. Sure. Yeah. 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 They got a song called Taroof. Uh, no, yeah, we have Tarof. to do a skit. We got to do a skit on Tarof. Okay, sure. Let's do it. We'll, sure. we'll make you Persian. You'll be the Persian okay. guy. I'll be the I'll white be the guy. I'll be the Persian guy. Okay. Yeah, That's exactly. fair enough. So, how do you yeah, do so, it? So how, do do you do? how do you reverse it? Yeah. How, yeah. How do you, or be aware of it. Like how, do you, how do you be how aware you of it? Well, first and foremost, that's the first step because when yeah. I start teaching, like when I'm introducing this to my Cycle Breakers Academy, most of them are like, oh my God, like I didn't I've been doing even, this my whole life. I yeah, didn't, yeah. I've literally been doing this. And the one, one of my clients just basically said, this, I guess this is why I feel like I hate everyone and I want to be a hermit because totally. I kind of smile to the face and then I you know, I talk shit. This is another, uh, root cause, like a root cause of, uh, sorry, uh, an effect of fawning is being two faced. Right. Yeah. Uh, so the first step is to really get educated on, I'm going to start doing actually some trainings on this. And I'm talking about this at the overview experience is because we have to get training on the subtle distinctions between overt and covert fawning. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's overt ways. It's like if I walk into a room and I'm overly charming and I'm like, want to be the funny guy and I want to make this everyone you, laugh actually. with this it, pretty much. This is you. Which is yeah. you. And it's you too. Oh, I know. Me too. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is exactly. you. It's you yeah. too. It's yeah. we're, I'm essentially right we're all doing it. 
essentially there's overt ways. It's like yeah. overtly, okay, like heavy duty flirtation. Like there was a version of me, glad I got over that, where mm-hmm. I literally had to flirt with every woman and make them feel like I'm in love with them so that they were then in love with me. That's right. more kind of like overt fawning. And by the way, narcissists are overt fawners. Sure. Okay. It's people, narcissists are people pleasers as well. It's like the needing to be like, like overly charming and, you know, flirty and just make everybody love me, you know, that there's the overt. And then there's the covert fawning, which is the most covert of it that it gets is not saying anything. Like, let's say you and I bump into one another on the cross the street and then you start talking and I have to go, but you just get wrapped up in a story and I don't say anything and I just freeze and just let you kind of like keep going and not say anything because I don't want to hurt your feelings and say, hey, Russ, you know, I have about two minutes left and then I got to go. Right. By me not saying anything because I don't want to seem like the bad guy Yep. That's another form of fawning. So there's so many, like it's insidious, it's it's everywhere. So the first step is the awareness of it. And just first step, what I would get you to do is to really monitor the behavior. Just notice how many times when you say yes, you want to say no. And the, the key here is that you want to pay attention to your body. How many times do you smile? And just, you know, if you're working as a hostess or a waiter or in the service industry, you literally have to fawn. So some symptoms that you want to look out for first is, are you chronically exhausted Mm. after you're working? If I'm as a chiropractor, as a medical doctor, this is probably why you burnt out, right? One of the reasons. One of the reasons is because whatever you're going through and then you're putting on a mask, it's exhausting to abandon yourself. So chronically fatigued, like just being exhausted, resentful and angry constantly at the world, at everyone, at yourself. That's one of the shadow parts of fawning because this people pleasing, that energy of positivity out there that you got to put up is Mm. a separation from yourself. So you're constantly angry. So the first thing you want to do is to notice the symptoms so that you can, if you have autoimmune classic. If you have um, thyroid, if you have all of those, take a look. I've never met somebody and you tell me if you can relate because you've seen more of this. I've never met somebody with autoimmune, with, with, with uh, chronic Irritable bowel syndrome. Irritable bowel who wasn't also a massive fauner. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. So that's the first thing is you want to notice the signs. Now, there's a path to healing this and it's not easy because you have to rewire an identity. Like it's not going to happen by reading a book or listening to a podcast. It's going to happen by getting a deeply intimate relationship with your body. So uh, the ones that we do in our cycle breakers, neurosensory attunement exercises so that you can just start to have your brain wired into feeling because why? Because in order for me to stop fawning, I have to pay attention to my body. Because if I say yes to you and I mean no, there's going to be a contraction that happens in my body. Would you yeah, not we agree? were talking about that yesterday. I want yeah. to jump into this yesterday. Yeah. Because there, there is this thing, the same thing with alarm and anxiety, right? There is this momentary contraction. I talked about this uh, a couple of weeks ago in, in the podcast. There is this momentary contraction that happens. And that sort of lights the fire of the alarm anxiety cycle. 
That's and I think the there's the same thing that happens with fawning. So once you're in it, once you're fully into fawning, <clears throat> I don't think you see it anymore. It just becomes so much a part of your identity. But if you can recognize in your body, okay, what happens to me when someone asks me, uh, can you help me move next weekend? What yes. happens to you when someone says, hey, can you drive me downtown when you, you know, you've got a busy day? Like what, it's really important to understand, okay, where do I feel that? For me, it's, it's, it's always in my solar plexus, with yeah, me, but there is too. this constriction kind of like, exactly. uh, and then, and then I override. Yes, it's like, you oh, yeah, override sure. it. You abandon I'll yourself. Find a way. I'll try and find a way. So it's yeah. really important, I think, at this point to make this as practical as possible Correct. The conversation that we have yes. is to understand what's the first sensation in your body. Because mm. if you can get attuned to that sensation just before you start fawning, then you can kind of do something about it. Mm. Once the snowball has got going, <clears throat> once you start, you know, making plans to, you know, help someone move or whatever <laughs> it is, you're you're done. Like you can't get or out. You of can it. stay over for the next three yeah. weeks. And I love Brene Brown's thing too. She says, you know, um, thank you for asking. Uh, it's not going to work for me this time, but mm. feel free to ask again. Like that's been such a huge thing for me yes. to sort of get out of this fawning response. Thank you for asking. It's not going to work for me this time, but please ask again. Yes. Anyway, I interrupted you there. No, no worries. No worries. But yes, 100%. The way that we break that cycle, it's a cycle and it's not even your fault. It's part of your identity. First is to have compassion that this is the way it is. You don't have to beat yourself up over it. It's like 99% of people, but it's just very few actually are committed to the work of breaking that cycle. And so this is why it's so important to start with. Well, they don't even see it. They can't see it. Yeah. <laughs> but they can see by the symptoms, they're sick, yeah. they're tired and their Resentful. relationships don't work. Yeah. They attract the same type of person. They like heavy duty yeah. connection in the beginning. And yep. then all of a sudden things turn to shit and then they don't want to have anything to do. And they're like, fuck relationships. I'm better off just being on my own. So it's, that there are signs that that demonstrate this, but then once you see that, okay, the path to victory looks like this: developing a deep, kind of uh, embodied relationship with your body as mm -hmm. though it's another person. Because every time I say yes to you, when I mean no, it's almost like there I have this entity called my physical body that goes. Mm -hmm. And you just said it, you'll probably just go into the fawn and then you've, you're too late by that point. But are you at first, you're probably going to have to repair and go, listen, yesterday, Russ, when you said, when you asked me to help you move and I said, yes, uh, my bot, like I've been having a lot of challenge ever since because I have this history of saying yes and people pleasing because I don't want you to think that I'm like a bad person and I can't handle it. So I said yes to you when I just didn't have the capacity. I'm extremely sorry. Uh, you know, like if you're a And that's if you're, so hard for a people pleaser. It's so body. hard. Like it's just but, so <clears throat> difficult. Which leads me to my next thing of how to break that cycle, Russ, is you have to develop an expanded capacity for other people's displeasure of you, mm -hmm. which means this is what I say in my academy is we have yeah. to trigger proof ourselves to guilt yeah. because if you don't choose guilt and expand your capacity and be able to sit with it, you're going to choose resentment instead. So what we're doing when we're fawning is we're choosing resentment because we can't handle guilt because guilt evokes toxic shame. So the way that we heal this, we break the cycle is we have to go back and heal our attachment traumas. 
We have to connect with the younger parts of ourselves and integrate these shadows, which are these, you know, unwanted aspects of ourselves, like our angry parts, which by the way, here's another thing that's really important. I take my clients through is the anger that people feel from fawning all your life. You either have two options, either one, you're completely consumed by it. You have major kind of depressive and fatigue and, and depressive disorders, or you have zero access to it. And you'll say, I don't have anger because Mm -hmm. when you were, when I was a child, it was, I was a bad girl. I was, it wasn't a nice thing to do. So what I do then is you got to really lean into connecting with your angry parts. And I created this thing called the rage run prescription where uh, it's kind of like a moving meditation where you go in intervals, where you run and you kick and punch uh, and you use a target that you have, whether it's your mother, whether it's your ex or whoever, and you channel all of that anger, which you've been repressing, and you channel it into and direct it in healthier ways, moving up the ladder from kind of like a despair dorsal shutdown to activation energy. We use the anger to move and to activate and it gets the, our clients, they get out of despair. They get out of the freeze response by connecting and embodying anger. You must embody yourself, embody your anger, expand your capacity for guilt and other people's displeasure. And when you do, all of a sudden, you'll say yes when you mean yes. You say no when you mean no. It hurts, but you'll be able to repair with yourself. Your self-worth starts to go up. People's chronic illnesses start to heal. Uh, Their relationships, they start attract. You will lose some people, by the way. This is the key. This is why people aren't going to do the work because they're like, well, I don't want to lose people. The truth is, if you've built an identity in fawning and then you start to set some boundaries, some people around you are going to be like, excuse me, that's not how, that's not the contract we have in this relationship. Mm -hmm. I'm out of here. You're supposed to say yes to every goddamn thing that I tell you. And then what'll happen is that's going to hurt. You're going to lose people that aren't aligned, but then you're going to gain only relationships that are aligned. Like you and I, you and I, we've had our ruptures as friends, but I know that I can say no to you I know yeah. that you can say no to me and I don't take it as rejection because yeah. I, I'm okay with your no and I respect your no and I wouldn't be friends with people, with anybody who doesn't respect my no. And and, right. and that's just what happens is your friendships start to transform. It's scary. It's heroic work. It's not going to happen by reading a book or watching videos. It's going to yeah. take time and practice, but it's possible. And it's repairing with yourself too, because you know, you've been resenting yourself for so long for saying yes when you mean no. And that pool of resentment just builds and builds and builds and builds. And it shows up as irritability, anger, uh, more resentment. And then, and then we project that onto our partner, our, our parent, our children, whatever. And that resentment, like I think resentment is the number one killer of relationships. So yeah. If, contempt, and, and resentment, resen- yeah. and then we blow and up on them. Yourself. Then yeah. we blow up on them, and it's not that thing. It's been a runway yeah. of months to years of saying no to yourself, and finally you're angry with yourself and then you take it out on the other person and that other person's looking at you. If you've ever had the experience where you've expressed your rage 
Well, sorry, you go into what's called dissociative rage, which is what happened in my last relationship. I've been fawning and fawning for hours trying to appease, appease, not know how to set boundaries. I didn't know. And she, if I did, she wouldn't well, really respect. Well, both of you fawned each other. That yeah, 100%. Like, and it was she wouldn't respect cycle. my boundaries. And finally, boom, I go into dissociative rage and it becomes abusive, right? And yeah. so that was my wake-up call to go, what did I do wrong? And how do I make sure that I never do this again? And now, thanks to that whole experience and the work that I've done, and thanks many, in no small part, thanks to you and, and what you've introduced me to, I'm, I have a healthy relationship with myself. I'm a work in progress and I have a healthy uh, relationship with Diana and I'm a dad now and I have a healthy relationship with men. You and I, we have the ability to get into ruptures. We take responsibility and repair. And this is the last piece of it that I really is, is the most important, I think, is that if you don't learn how to become what I call trigger proof, and learn how to master the conflict and repair cycle, you won't trust yourself. And if you won't yeah. trust yourself, you won't speak up for yourself and have boundaries because you're like, oh my gosh, if I well, you don't have a relationship person, with yourself, that's the yeah. thing. You don't have, you have a relationship with other people, but you don't have a relationship with yourself. And yeah. after a while, the wheels follow that. I know 100%. this in your last relationship, you both would fawn each other, mm. of course, which would create tremendous resentment towards each other, which would blow up in different ways. And then the whole thing would just, and then you'd have makeup sex and the whole thing would start exactly. again. Exactly. Which was part thing. of the trauma bond, by the way. Of the course. whole dynamic. Yeah. And so after that was done, I had to go, okay, so I stopped working and I just started mm-hmm. going, all right, what do I need to I do? I remember. Who, who <laughs> do I need to do? Exactly. Thanks to you, you. I was talking to you every day. Who do I need to be so that I don't have a relation, who I don't attract somebody like that anymore so mm-hmm. that I, I can have a relationship where I trust myself and lo and behold, because I had the story after my divorce years ago, years, yeah. years ago that I don't, women are not to be trusted the divorce process, losing all this. I don't want to be in that situation. And and the story that I had was women are all a bunch of gold digging whores. Mm -hmm. That was basically the story that I had. And lo and behold, I, the, the women that I attracted, confirmation bias, the women that I attracted confirmation bias, it confirmed, I attracted somebody that confirmed the bias that I was in. And so I was like, okay, but you learn more from that relationship than any other relationship you've ever been in. I'm eternally like grateful far. for the experience. Yeah. By yeah. far, by far. But it's important to see, you know, if you if you can't see it, you're destined to be it. And I think just realizing, okay, I'm a people pleaser and not judging yourself for that, you know, because we have these jabs at ourselves. Yeah. If we judge, we Compassion abandon, we blame. Towards... Why am I such a people pleaser? You know, and yeah. then the shame comes in. Oh, I'm 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 really abandoning myself to try and help this other person or garner favor with this uh, or appease this other person. Because I can't stand your displeasure of me. I need you to like me. And that's a childhood thing. So the, the, how you heal from that is the same way that you heal from alarm is finding it in your body first, Mm. finding the prodrome, finding the early stages of how, what does my body feel like before I go into this fawning Mm -hmm. response? What, before I appease, before I start abandoning myself, where do I feel that? Yeah. And that's the younger version of you that probably dissociated to look after your parents. Yeah. So find it in your body, put your hand over it, connect with it, and just say, it's okay. 
to yeah. want to want to look after other people. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But if you're always looking after other people, like I was as a doctor, well, eventually you're going to have anxiety, depression, eating disorders, OCD, personality disorder. It's all going to come up from that. There and is it all a- comes up from, from just not getting your needs met as children and then not allowing your needs to be met as an adult because you're giving all the time. There is a distinction though. I call it conscious empathy versus unconscious empathy. It's okay to serve. Like I take care of other people for a living, right? Oh, sure. I, we, we do that. But if I have compassion towards you first before giving myself that compassion, then I'm fawning. That's the exactly. very important step that people skip out on with codependency is it's not to just complete because here's what people do this is the the pattern you're fawning and you're people pleasing all this time and then all of a sudden one day you get sick or you go through another breakup or you're in another relation breakup with a narcissist who's devaluing you and then finally they're like fuck this i'm done and then the pendulum swings the other way it's all about me now it's all yeah. about me and they swing the other way and then they become, you know, That's narcissists. That's no good either. Right? What's that? That's no good either. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's the other yeah. side, right? And so the pendulum swings and then you start to alienate people because now you're taking on the role of the, you've gone from the codependent empath to the narcissist and you're pushing people away and you can't see it and it's all about you and how you've been hurt and you're the victim and da, 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 da. And you just, as that's kind of revolt. People have to go through a phase of that to break people pleasing. Like yes. Initially. In fact, uh, I, th- I believe, y- you know, um, if you're in a codependent relationship and you've been fawning all this time, going into victimhood and anger and, and, and blaming the other person is actually a step up from as the despair, uh, yeah. uh, from the yeah. despair yeah. of, yeah of self blame. So, so in other words, I I truly believe that my, the, the, the breakup and the abandonment wound from my last relationship, she literally had to see me as the bad guy Mm -hmm. in order to break free from the codependency because she didn't have the skills to, 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 to validate herself. So boom, she goes into the victim story and, and that, and then kind of gaining all of that uh, attention and all of that. Okay, I see that now. But then you start to get sick. You start to develop um, autoimmune problems. You start to develop cancerous- Gut issues, yeah. All gut yeah. issues, whatever it is. Fibromyalgia, Fibromyalgia, whatever. And so what's the solution? And the solution I've discovered, and this is basically becoming trigger-proof, and this is what I teach in the overview experience is- to first validate and bring compassion towards my shadows and my younger parts, mm-hmm. and then find the reflection in the other part, the things you're judging in the other person, find them in you. And mm-hmm. once you see their so what humanity- does that look like? What would that look like? <clears throat> Um, what would that look like? Let's say I'm pissed off at you, Russ. Okay. Okay. And then, uh, you and I get into an argument because let's say I've been fawning for so long. Finally, I'm like, screw this. I'm done. He's, uh, we're done. I go, I go, I go back to myself and then I bring compassion towards my younger parts. But then Mm -hmm. I ask myself, okay, so what is it about Russ? That's really pissing me off. And I'll say, ah, he's so he's just such a victim. 
He just mm. so he doesn't see his own power and he's constantly projecting his father onto me, which was, by the way, the work that I oh, did. Oh, I did that. Oh, I did that yeah. for sure. Which, yeah. by the way, just full yeah. transparency yeah. on our last rupture, yeah. I yeah. actually went through this exact exercise and I'm like, what am I judging in Russ? I'm like, oh, he's projecting his father onto me again and he's blaming me for not meeting his needs. And I'm like, fuck, I hate when he does that. So then what do I do? <laughs> I'm full, this is serious. I'm, yeah. I'm serious. I did that. So then I said, what do I, when do I do that? I'm like, okay, when do I project? Well, I'm projecting, where do I do that? Well, I'm projecting my, his, my father onto yeah. Russ. We do I'm that doing to each other the exact all the time. same thing to yeah. Russ. We oh, do that geez. to each other all the time. And the Absolutely. second, and the second that I yeah. saw myself in yeah. what you were doing, immediately I could not be the victim to you anymore. I had nothing but love and understanding and because I understood myself. And this is a very powerful uh, tool. It's like, this is the overview. I did the overview. It's, I overviewed it, right? Yep. And as soon as I saw that, that's when I reached out to you and I'm like, hey, bud. And I- and hey, I, let's stop for a second. Yeah. So when you overview something, you know, basically- uh, for a lot of my listeners, they don't know what overview, your your version of overview. Yeah, this so is my tool would, that you, I've created to yeah. create secure attachments. So in this particular example with you resenting me, how do you do the overview? Like I know basically it comes down to what do I see that in, mm. in him that, yeah. that I have? And yeah. how can I how can I embrace yeah. the <clears throat> embrace the lesson yeah. from this? I'll tell you. So okay. the first part of it was there's two projections that happen in every conflict. You want to stop fawning, by the way, master mm. the conflict and repair cycle. And this is what the overview method is about. I'm actually Easier writing, said than done, but writing yeah. a book about it. Well, it's a skill like playing the piano, sure. like oh, healing sure. from anxiety is not easy. It's a yeah. practice. This is the practice. So the first part is in this conflict with you, Russ, what parts of me were activated? Well, it was just like when I was a kid and I didn't feel seen by my dad. Mm or by my brother or whatever. So you bring right. up my brother stuff, my dad stuff, because it's the masculine, the male stuff. Okay, then I bring compassion towards those parts because I've abandoned them. I'm making right. it mean that I'm, you know, like I'm not good enough. You know, when you yep. were like, when you, when, you were, when you were saying all of that stuff, when, when we had our last rupture, the stuff that came up for me was like, I can never be good enough. I made yep. it about me. I can yeah. never be good enough. Just like with, just like when I w with my dad, no matter yeah. what I do for him, no matter all the stuff that I do, the friendship that we have, we've done this, this, this still because of this one thing that happened at this time. Now I'm not good enough. That that's where I went. So my first job was to connect with those parts and bring compassion to them. This is your work. Yeah, I am good enough. This like, is it, your work. This right. is an isolated. Exactly. This says more about him. That says more about Russ. Exactly. Than it does about exactly. Me. It wasn't about I'm getting him. caught He's in just reacting, and yeah. so I validating myself. That's step one. Step yeah. two is dissolving the resentment because if I say I'm not good enough, I'm literally putting you above me, and I'm your victim. Right. And you're fawning. And I'm fawning. Exactly and I don't see my power in that yeah, moment. Exactly. But the second I go. What is it that I'm judging in Russ? Well, he's projecting his father onto me. It's fucking annoying. I don't want to do that. Of course. It and is. then I go, where do I do the same thing? And I'm like, fuck, I just did that with Russ. Yeah. I just did it with Russ. And then I yeah. then the next step is that I go into the parts of me that are projecting my dad on you. 
And then I bring compassion towards that part because that's my shadow that I hate. And that's your child. That's yeah. my child. But yeah. it's it's yeah. the it's the hidden part of my child. It's the shadow. Yep. And then what I do is I bring compassion towards that part. And what does that part want? It just wants love. Seen it just her, wants loved, to be seen. Protected. It yeah. wants recognition. And then I go, oh shit, Russ isn't saying I'm not good enough. He just wants more of me. He just wants recognition. He he feels unseen and unheard. And I'm like, he's loving me instantly. Boom. The resentment is gone. Then I can reach out to you. And then I texted you and I'm like, and I did those yeah. voice memos and I said, Hey right. buddy, I totally get it. A hundred percent understand. Take all the space you need. Can't wait. We're going to be fine. Da, 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 da. You took your time. You reached out. We had a coffee. We hugged it out. And here we are talking about it on well, the podcast. Well, that's the thing. That's one of the things that I love about our relationship is we fight because we're we're very similar in a lot of ways, right? Yes. But the white thing meat, is, white we, meat versus dark meat. Exactly. Exactly. We go to a restaurant and like we'll sit down, and the first thing, especially if it's a female server, even if it's a male server, do you prefer no, white meat or dark meat? It's I don't like, say yeah. that to the males. We'll say it to no. the females. Anyway, yeah, you prefer white meat or dark? I'll meat. go. Like, I'll, oh I'll basically do this because I love watching oh Russ get embarrassed. Yeah, I start to squirm, and I'll be like, "Excuse me, ma'am, which one yeah. of us do you find better looking?" It's okay, white meat then, or dark. Just tell the yeah. truth. It's okay. And it's just like, as I'm about as white as there is. You're a little on the darker side, but uh, I'm about as white as there is. That <laughs> Scottish blood in me. I married but a again, white woman. Okay, and then just the last to, part of the I married a white woman I, just to kind of get yeah, some to kind of white privilege by osmosis to get closer to me. Right, it, you move closer to me. You married a white it was woman. A fun response. Like you're just trying to be me. That's all it is. It was a fun response to get closer to you. And here's what I like about the overview that we didn't quite get into there. Yeah, was how can I be grateful for this? Like how can I be grateful for what happened? Mm. Because in that way, it creates this repair. So we know that we fight because you and I fight, and that's what happens. Well, we and, have a rupture. I, we yeah, have a rupture. Yeah. Yeah. We don't fight. Then, we, we, we don't actually it. fight. Okay, I don't yeah, like that term. True. Let's okay. let's let's do the let's fight about okay. that first of all. Okay. About that term. Okay. Uh, no. I, I the language I like to use is there are misattunements and ruptures. But we sure. ha I have the confidence in myself to repair with myself and then to repair with anyone worth repairing. Not with everybody, but you're definitely worth yeah. repairing. I could use the white privilege. Yeah. And I call it a fight, but that's okay. <laughs> no, we, we, we won't fight. Let's not fight about it. But the last part about it, overview is like, how can I be grateful for that? Because the thing is now, like when we do have a rupture and that kind of stuff, I know in the back of the in my mind, it's going to be fine. Yeah. Right. Like at the time I'm like, Same with my wife. Did this again. Same right? with my wife. Yeah. That's a secure yeah. relationship. Well, you build a capacity and resilience in the nervous system. So if you're fawning all the time, you never give yourself the opportunity to repair because mm. you, there's never a rupture because you're always, because I would see couples and rarely do I see couples, but sometimes <laughs> I would see couples and they would say, you know, we never fight. It's mm. like, okay, which one of you two gives in? All yes. The you have you know, to expand. Here it is. This oh, is the key. You have Google. to expand your capacity for other people's displeasure of you. You have to expand your capacity to be not liked. Like if right. you want your book to do really well, you got to be prepared for more people to hate it. Yes. Because that provides Otherwise, energy you're as well. just going to and, and fawning will even go into entrepreneurship. Like how many entrepreneurs who are brilliant creators, artists are holding back their art because they're concerned about someone not liking it. That's a form of, I, I'm making this up totally, but I believe that's a form yeah. of kind of fawning 
because you don't put yourself out there because you're afraid of what other people are going to say. Well, that's what society is happening right now. Like we're, we're, Cancel we're allowing culture. every small, you know, minority or whatever. And I want to get into this, but just everybody has to be seen, heard. Check everyone's your privilege. Gotta, Check your privilege, yeah, white man. All that stuff. Hey, oh, white I know, man, I cis know. white hetero. Check your privilege. Male doctor. Yeah, like you, like I've said that before. Like you don't get more privileged than me. Oh, yeah, I live most of my life. I live doctor. Yeah. Excuse me, you have no right to complain about anything, exactly. Russ. How dare you? Even, you're even privileged. Though anxiety almost killed me a number of times. You yeah. know, so it's like but I it guess there is count. this feeling. <laughs> yeah, it's just, yeah. I guess there is this feeling that that white people don't suffer, but that's another podcast. Yeah. Altogether. Anyway, but, but the so thing is, is, we must expand our capacity for other people's displeasure, for disagreement. If you can't, if someone disagrees with you, what happens in your system? contraction. I must not be good enough. So I need to defend myself. So these are signs, defensiveness, fawning. These are all signs of, of a self, an identity that was wrapped up in other people's approval, which is, which is complex. This is complex, post complex, post-traumatic stress. On some level. Yeah. But it's about survival, right? Like you give to other people because you feel that that's going to aid your survival. These engendering this positive emotion in these other people is going to engender your survival. But the problem is that you give yourself up, your true self up. And one of the things that I write about in, in the revised edition of the book is that, you know, when you have a parent that is interested in caring and knowing for you, uh, you have that same urge to, to care and know yourself. You parent, but if you you parent yourself parent, the way you were parented. Yeah. And if, yeah. but if you don't have that sense from a parent and you have to give to them as opposed to like, what do I need? What do I want? What is, who am I? You know, what about me is my famous thing that I say with people. Like, what about me? If you don't allow yourself to have that, what about me moment and you always just give to other people, you're chronically going to be anxious or depressed or, or having eating disorder or OCD yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So and I, I guess, yeah. The- I want to introduce people to the concept, like your concept, your total, what you kind of, what I learned from you is anxiety is separation from self. And every time we fawn, we separate from ourselves. Totally. And then we turn the anger, either projecting it outwards because of our self-separation, which creates kind of like acting out narcissistic behaviors. And then we get into relationships from that wound. Or we turn that anger inwards, which creates chronic depressive disorders and health issues. And so it, it, and that is the anger turned towards the self becomes depression. And so it's not something you get. And physical stuff too. I want to, I want to just jump in there too. Like if you look at, you know, resentment towards self, anger towards self, interleukin one, interleukin six, tumor mm. necrosis, inflammation, reactive protein, all these inflammatory cytokines, all these inflammatory markers go up when you have this negative view of yourself. So people say, well, you know, I have this negative view of myself and I know it affects my health. Well, this is one of the mechanisms, the actual physiological medical mechanism yeah. that it affects your health. It, it, it inflames these cytokines, which causes you to, to attack your own tissues. And, and you're attacking yourself mentally and physically. Yeah. And this is the underlying kind of weird tie-in. Here I am as a chiropractor seeing all of these people with chronic pains and chronic illnesses and going, 
wait a second, there's, why is there such a direct correlation between that and codependency? Mm-hmm. So my, what you asked me at the first question, what is it that you're working on? Here's my contribution to the world, I feel, because of my background, my history, my trauma bond past in my um, shit show of my past relationship, which I've been able to turn around and have a healthy relationship, my expertise as a primary care uh, provider is I want to help people understand this unholy union between chronic pain and illness and codependency and Mm -hmm. teach people the root cause of how to heal that, which is breaking free from this fond response by developing a deep sense of relationship with yourself and trust with yourself through soft skills in relationships where you're able to repair from ruptures so that you have security and and confidence within yourself so that you can speak your truth. So, And the more resilience and capacity you build in your own nervous system, the more you can tolerate someone else's perceived discomfort. Because sometimes you're, you're, you know, you're fawning so automatically, they don't even really care so much. It's like, come over for dinner on Wednesday night. It's like, well, you know, I've got this and I've got that. Okay, maybe I will. Maybe maybe even want you to come over. But you're like, you know, this is so ingrained in us to sort of whenever someone makes a request. We have to appease, like appeasement is, Cynthia talks about this, like appeasement is so, you know, it's so crippling. Yes. You know, if you, if you can't not appease, it's just so crippling. And, and, and the thing is, is that here's the, here's the hidden blind spot of it. That's the one identity from the trauma of not feeling seen. The other identity or solution from not feeling seen is to create an identity of grandiosity of Mm. needing others to love bomb and appease you and praise you constantly so that you don't have to feel that same level of like unworthiness. So look at that. The narcissist, the codependent, they are exact same wound and they are the perfect match for one another because one has built an identity on appeasement and the yeah. other one has built an identity on receiving the, the peop, other people's yeah. accommodations. Accommodation yeah. is the word. Everyone has to accommodate to me. Everyone needs to listen to all of my victim story and accommodate to me because I'm special. And so this, this lends to the narcissist codependent dynamic and everyone needs to accommodate for me and hear my story. And then this, the, the appeaser, the pleaser, then develops an identity and abandons themselves constantly having to take care of others. And then it causes burnout. And yeah. so this dance cannot be sustainable. And this is why there's is the link. People in these trauma-bonded relationships, uh, people with addictions, people with relapses, almost always are tied to relapses in health and all that, almost yep. always tied to ruptures in relationships. So that's why I've dedicated my life to helping people become trigger-proof and learn the skills of conflict repair because I believe that's the upstream root cause of the root cause so that you can have a healthy relationship with yourself and then another person who's equally respectful of their themselves will, will pair up with you in that yep. kind of domain. Well, that's what I also see about like people pleasers and that kind of stuff is they're often addicts, you know, they're, they're often addicts because 
they can't give to themselves, right? Like that's the issue. One of the big issues with people pleasing is that you just can't give to yourself. Yes. You're so used to people pleasing. So, so they the only way sometimes you can, yeah, the only way you can get you, your needs met is through an addiction because you won't allow yourself to get your needs met, you know, in, because your psyche blocks it. But the only way that you can get your needs met is with shopping or porn or opiates or or medications or whatever. So that's it's funny because it's it's really what you're talking about. And what I talk about too is is pulling up the stops of connecting with yourself because that's what really creates anxiety. Yeah. It creates all these problems when we can't allow that love in. And I think that's what addictions do is they override that 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 need that we have to block love for ourselves. Yeah. When you get addicted to something, you actually get some connection that way. That's right. It's the only way you'll allow it. Yeah. The biggest addiction is relationships from those yeah. appeasers. And, and they, the relationships they choose yeah. are with people with deep depressive disorders, addictions, al alcoholism, sex, porn, whatever. And so they become addicted to appeasing these people who are addicts. They enable them. So this is yeah. the classic codependent kind of dynamic. It's just, it's so pervasive. And I just and had so, to, yeah. figuring all of this out as like, our society is screwed unless we commit to the process of becoming trigger proof and healing our own relationship and repairing with ourselves so that then we can kind of walk through the earth, navigate this really complex um, right. kind of topic of relationships with more um, self-trust. That's the yeah. goal. Because it's hard. Even, even both you and I, with the skills that we have, we have our background with our education, with the inner work that we've done, with the somatic training that we've done, we'll still get into ruptures and repairs. It's still a challenge. There's no finish line. We're constantly learning. But if you could, if you can master the process, if you can really commit to the learning the process, then over time, your relationship with yourself gets stronger, your anxiety decreases, and your relationship anxiety starts to heal. And then you're no longer in these push-pull codependent dynamics. You feel safe and secure in relationships, and then you can polarize the relationship and make it really juicy, even if it's long-term. And I think that's, you know, that is the, the bonus of our relationship is that, that we can see that relationships can rupture, but they can repair because a lot of times when we were younger, there was no repair. There was this kind of, didn't have you know, modeled. kind of quiescence for a while, but again, it blew up, you know, sweep it under the rug alcoholic pattern where there's a huge blow up and the alcoholic is so you know apologetic and then everything kind of goes back to a normal level again and then there's a huge blow up again so they never really get a chance like children of alcoholic to understand that actually things do get better yeah they can repair so that's what i love about our relationship is that we can have these ruptures yeah and then we can repair and then that builds resilience so the next yeah. time we have a rupture because we will yeah is that I know asshole. in the back of my mind. Because yeah, you're an asshole. Yeah, I mean, we're going to rupture again yeah. and again because you are an yeah. asshole, Russ. My it's people time love for you to me. acknowledge so, that. You know, you're, gonna, you're making yourself look bad now because my people love me. So just be I know. Just be careful. Be careful. <laughs> I know. That's, we don't want to fight about it. I show up on your I'm such But a this is my point. This, this is <laughs> my point. I want to just make this point. Go for it. Is that you learn 
that relationships don't have to be all or nothing. Yes. There can be this thing. You can handle the, the discomfort of someone mm-hmm. else. And and in in handling that discomfort, you don't resent them anymore yes. because they kind of go, well, I don't like you're doing you're doing this, but yeah. you know, clearly you're going to do it anyway. So let's, let's just sort of repair from it. Yeah. And then you learn that it's not this black and white, all or nothing kind no. of thing. That was our childhood. Yes. It was, it was this blow up and then it didn't get better. That's right. So we have this sense when, when things go well after a rupture and they do get better, that's when you start building capacity and resilience right. in the nervous system so that you can tolerate someone else's discomfort. And you can so tell you the can truth. You can be true to yourself. And you can tell the truth. Yeah, absolutely. And you don't have to fawn. So it's a muscle. What you, what I heard you say is that relationship skill is a muscle you build, and secure relationships don't fall out of the sky. They're built through rupture and repair. And repair. My relationship with you has gotten stronger over the five years. Totally. Not in spite of our ruptures, but because of our rupture. Same totally. with my wife. And that's what a secure relationship is. It's not something that falls out of the sky. Yeah. It is built through rupture and repair. And it's time that we started as a species learning the skills in how to do that by yeah. repairing with ourselves first. And you raised a really important point. If we don't do this, then our children learn yeah. the repair, rupture, repair process from us. How were you, how was repa- conflict yeah. modeled to you? Repaired was it always rageaholic yeah. at home yeah. or do you never see conflict? Both yeah. are problematic. Totally. Yeah. So tell me about your book. Yeah. Well, it is in the stage of beta testing. I wrote it just spontaneously. I woke up one day and I'm like, I'm going to write this book now. It's on the other side of my experience in breaking free from a trauma bond. Uh, the book is called Trigger Proof, How to Break Free from Trauma Bonds heal codependency and attract secure love. And there's a chapter basically dedicated to you. Um, of course there is. Uh, and of course, of course <laughs> it is. Uh, course it's on is. the work that we've done and like bringing that in and talk, I talk about how it's all just anxiety, but their re- responses, their reactivity and how to take conflict and turn it into deeper intimacy, how to take a trigger and mm. turn it into deeper self-love from self-abandonment and how to take conflicts like the one you and I had a couple of weeks ago and turn it into even deeper friendship, deeper intimacy. And so that's what the whole book is about. And it highlights my story of how I um, was in a trauma bonded relationship and we were both abusive. I became, I became physical uh, and we tried to work through it. And I kind of like, wanted to leave the relationship, but I was afraid because I wasn't sure on how she would respond. I knew she had a deep abandonment wound. And if I left, I was afraid of the, uh, the kind of reputational yeah, um, sure. kind of uh, impact on it. And so oftentimes sure. during trauma bonded relationships, people are afraid of leaving abusive situations because of the impact. Well, I wasn't afraid of for my physical well-being. I was afraid for my reputation. And sure enough, as I pulled away, um, uh, everything turned to shit. <laughs> yeah. and, but you learned so much from it. And this is the other thing that we're going to But I want to, let me finish, get, let me finish something. Okay, Hold ahead, on. Go ahead. What happened was uh, I moved on, got married. And a week after my son was born, I was arrested for uh, assault. And so this book is the entire journey of 
that whole experience, trying to leave my trauma-bonded relationship, creating a secure love through a challenging time through court, through court, criminal court, and then I was sued for family, a family dispute. And my goal was, how do I, throughout this really challenging time when I'm trying to break free from my ex, not let that impact my marriage and me as a father and a leader. And the book Trigger Proof, the concept of Trigger Proof was born. So I, um, I, uh, I'm teaching people how to do the same. Yeah. And you've done a beautiful job of that, actually, of creating a nice house two miles from me. <laughs> and it, it's really amazing to see like the transformation in the way that you look at yourself, I think, in the last, in the last two years, especially, two to three years for sure. And you and I are going to start doing a podcast together soon. We're going to call it the Manxiety Show, which is yes. anxiety with an M on the front of it, specifically uh, devoted towards men. But the, the, I think the catch line will be, this is the podcast you wish your man would listen to, because we'll probably have a lot of women listening to this. Just being honest with, with how things kind of are these days, as opposed to appeasing opposed to just sort of going okay well this is how you this is how you heal this is how you do it's like saying the raw truth like no one is uh, peterson's probably talking about the raw truth but in <laughs> general nobody really talks about the raw truth everyone's talking about oh this is how you cover it over this yeah. is how you make it better it's cancel and culture it's like, you have to see it first uh, or else you're going to be it and if you don't see it you don't get clear of it so it's really important to understand where this stuff comes from, why men are suffering so much. Women too, of course, you know, because uh, men impact women and women impact men. But it's really important to kind of see where the roots of this stuff truly start, which is almost always childhood. Yeah. But it's finding, okay, what can we do about it? First, can we understand it? Once we understand it and then we can forgive ourselves for it or be compassionate towards ourselves through it then we can actually do something about it. But while we're still in this kind of survival response, we're basically just got a stick in each other's eye and nothing really gets better. So 100%. thank you, thank Nima, you, Dr. Nima, for being here today. I'm going to post this really quickly, really soon. Perfect. Maybe even over Christmas and that kind of thing too. Sweet. So how, how do people find you? Well, the best way to begin, um, I'll drop a, a link there for you, for anybody, any, any of your listeners, any of okay. your audience that wants to start, the best way to begin is to understand your attachment style, the way that anxiety shows up in your relationships, either an anxious style or, a, or avoidant. So I'll drop a link there. If people want to get their, um, attachment style results, it takes, it's like a 10 minute quiz. That's the best way. Right. Um, my, I'll provide you all of those links and those people who really want to actually get started in learning the skills, the best place is the overview experience. The overview when is experience, the next overview. Pardon me? When's the next overview? The next overview is in January, but we do it once a month. Yeah. So if anybody's listening, um, uh, at any time, uh, January 20th is the next one, but every month okay. we do it, I'll provide that link as well. And then you just jump okay. in and uh, it's a six-hour uh, training on on Zoom where I take your biggest conflict and we stretch it out over six hours and we go into the neuroscience. Many of the stuff I learned from you, you've been actually to overview experience. Oh, a number of times. Yeah. Um, and 
I show you how to resolve the conflict and repair from a rupture the same way that I repaired with with my rupture yeah. with you. And so this can be translated with a relationship with your children, with your partner, with a romantic partner, with a friend. It's the soft skills in getting better at love, getting better at self-repair. And being grateful for the trauma, you know, being grateful for the gifts that it actually gave you to be able, because without those, without being pushed, human beings don't do anything unless the pain of not doing something becomes greater than the right. pain of doing exactly. something. So it's like, it gives you a chance to really be appreciative of what trauma that you went through. Without bypassing you can use it. Without bypassing it without and being able to understand it and just have compassion for yourself mm -hmm. and the younger version of you. That kind of thing. So it's Dr. Nima, N I M A D R N I M A dot com. Yeah, Dr. Dr. Nima dot com. That's how you yep. find it. And that's how you find you. And I'm sure we'll hang out probably, probably later on today. Yeah. But thanks for being <laughs> on the show. Probably later on today. And that kind of sec. And I love you, else, buddy. I, I want to tell you how much. I, okay, go ahead. I want to tell you how much I love and appreciate you. Uh, for what I've learned. You've helped me heal my relationship with men, with myself. You are a gift to the planet. And um, I will always have, uh, and now you'll be immortalized in my work because you're a part of my book as well. And so I just wanted to say how much I love and appreciate. And when we found this house that was close to yours, I was like, oh, geez, we're like five yeah. minutes from Ross. Here we go. There we so, go. Uh, I, I look forward to really spreading this work with you in the world yeah, because the world needs it. Well, the thing is we both, you know, it's hard to get off the, the thing with hard to get off the phone with you. It's hard to get off the <laughs> podcast as well. I love you. So it's, it's basically, but we push each other. Like yesterday I was, you were talking about fawning. Like I was over at your place having brunch yeah. and it's like, okay, how does that work? You know, when, when yeah. you have the gas and the brake on at the same Loved time, like it. I'm always pushing you. You're challenging to kind of expand my ideas on your theory. to yeah. see if it, so, and that whenever I have a new thought or I have a new revelation, I'll reach out to you and I'll be like, okay, listen to this with your neuroscience brain tell me if it lands and you either you and then here's how you listen it's awesome the yeah. way you listen watching you you're like this you have your eyes closed and you're like yeah. okay yeah yeah that holds ground because the yeah. prefrontal cortex and the insula go to so and so and i'm like okay yeah. nerd okay yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah for sure you know so, so I we test we it out on you yeah yeah we push each other and i think that's it allows us to flush out our theories before we go on podcasts and mm. and you know start talking about it to yeah. the world so and that's what's going to be great about our podcast is we're going to be able to say pretty much whatever we want and just be honest and real directed towards men but but women will listen into i'm so, sure that's this week's episode of the anxiety rx podcast join me next week and yeah have a great holiday season have a great new year's and we will talk to you soon so that's it for today's episode thanks for listening and if the anxiety rx podcast resonates with you consider getting my book also coincidentally called anxiety rx or you can follow me on any of the social media platforms at The Anxiety MD or my website, www.theanxietymd.com. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you the next time on The Anxiety RX Podcast. <laughs>